Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. A galactic odyssey against oppression. Big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Adventure, excitement, a podcaster needs not these things. Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made or the Essential Films. I'm Adolfo Costa, joined by my co-host, Mr. Mark Espinoza, and this isn't episode 5, but episode 23 of the podcast, and today we discuss the second film in the original Star Wars trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back. But before we get to that, how you doing, Mark? Uh, not much, man. How's it going, Adolfo? It's going okay. Been going okay. Um, you know, uh, we were here last time for our Superman episode, but doing some pretty decent numbers actually. It's uh, it's becoming a, it's kind of climbing up on the uh, popularity charts as far as the, uh, uh, the downloads that we've had for the and the views on YouTube. So I'm pretty happy with that episode. So hopefully, uh, this Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars one will uh, Empire one will uh, will do just as well. Yeah, let's continue that streak. But I, I, I mean, we did unintentionally release this Superman episode like during the 80th anniversary of Superman so I'm sure that helped a lot with a little bit of a boost in in views too that's true that's true that was absolutely unintentional but very serendipitous Avengers Infinity War which just came out this past weekend uh, and cheap plug you can hear our spoiler review uh, right now on the Force Perspective podcast Uh, but um, you can find that on YouTube right now Um, but uh, it's funny because that movie has been compared to our our movie this week uh, The Empire Strikes Back as as being a, a darker 
version of the Marvel Universe because it has basically a grim ending. I don't want to get into spoilers for that movie. You can hear that podcast on your own to, to find out what's going on there or watch the film. But um, it, it, basically, there's a dark ending, and this uh, and, and it, anytime a movie in a series has like a darker ending or, or an ending where the bad guys win, uh, it is um, often compared to The Empire Strikes Back. A lot of times, I feel like that that comparison falls short. In Infinity War, I think it was a pretty apt comparison. Right. Um, but it, again, to hear more about, about our thoughts on that, check out that episode of the Force Perspective podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's almost become a cliche at this point. Whenever, you know, you have a popular franchise with a sequel that's darker than usual, that has a darker than usual ending. Oh, it's it's the empire of this franchise. And it's like, you know, uh, you, you hear it all the time now. Yeah, and, and they usually say it in a in a positive way because Empire is considered by a lot of the by a lot of the Star Wars geeks uh, to be the um, to be the best film in, in the entire franchise. Uh, we can get to that uh, later on and see you know where we rank the film among amongst the other. Uh, where are we at now? Eight eight different saga movies, eight. not including yep. uh, not including Rogue One. Um, right. So nine if you include Rogue One. Um, so. Uh, but you know that's kind of a serendipitous tie-in. But really, the, the tie-in here is that you know it is um, as of this recording. Uh, we are recording this on Monday, April thirtieth. This Friday will be May the fourth, uh, which is kind of the unofficial Star Wars day for for uh, geeks around the world. You know, May the fourth be with you. Um, and uh, it's also the on May twenty first is the anniversary of this film as well. Uh, the thirty. 30- Eighth anniversary, not a special anniversary, but that's when it came out. It was on May twenty first, nineteen eighty, and also May twenty fifth is the long awaited, highly anticipated Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, maybe not so highly anticipated, um, yeah. but there's a lot of tie ins going on with this episode this month. Yeah, yeah, May May was the Star Wars month for years until Force Awakens kind of shifted that to December. Um, but but it's kind of neat, even though the hype is not really there for me personally. It's kind of nice to see, you know, a Star Wars movie solo coming out in May, kind of you know, uh, tr- like you used to traditionally, you know. Yeah, and again, it's jury's out on that one. There's very little. Very little positive hype to it. It's been plagued with production problems. You know, you you and I talked about it on our summer preview, uh, Force Perspective episode. Another cheap plug that will be coming out soon. Um, but not a lot of positive um, uh, anticipation for it. I'll probably still see it opening weekend because that's what we do, right? But right. it's it's just I might not go see it Thursday night. I might wait till like Sunday or something, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, same. It, it just it's just gonna be one of those things, but. But regardless, it, it is a Star Wars film, and this is, again, what many consider the best Star Wars film, The Empire Strikes Back, or later retitled Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Um, but uh, Mark, uh, when did you first experience Empire? I know we went over this last time um, we talked about the original Star Wars from 1977, so I'm assuming it's more or less the same story, because uh, I'm sure you watched them back to back, but... Um, you know, can you refresh our memories? How, when did you first experience Empire? Okay. So, like we talked about last time, uh, I did not get into Star Wars until 97 when the special editions came out into theaters. My mother, after pretty much me begging her up and down, oh, I want to see Star Wars, I want to see Star Wars, she took me to see Star Wars. And, you know, it's because of her that I got to experience A New Hope for the first time. And after that, I was, I was hooked. Um, so... I tried to get my hands on the other two movies at the time and be able to watch them. Um, 
because she took me to see A New Hope, but she never took me to see Empire or Return of the Jedi in, in theaters when the special editions came out, which I believe was a couple months after. Like they, It was, I believe, I'm not mistaken, it was January 97, I think, or maybe February 97 was A New Hope, and then like the next month was Empire, and then the following month again was Return of the Jedi. Um, I never got to see those in theaters, but um, so I got to, I, I wanted to see the other movies still. So my cousin had the VHS, the original VHX, uh, VHX, I'm sorry, VHS box sets. If you remember the ones that have the Darth Vader head, the Stormtrooper head, and the Yoda head. Do you remember those tapes? I do. I actually currently have them right now. Um, they are um, after our, I think after our Star Wars episode, we we discussed them a little bit briefly, and I was like, you know, I kind of want those because even though my my VCR is kind of stored away, like in storage somewhere, I'm not gonna bust it out and hook it up anytime soon. I was like, I still just kind of want them because. It's just nice. They're just nice to have, and they look. They, they, it has a good package, even though it's a VHS package. It just looks nice, you know. It's like a nice right. box. So I bought them off eBay for like twenty bucks, um, and they're currently sitting on my movie shelf uh, uh, on on display. But yes, I do remember them. Yeah, and I believe I remember the promo too when the, when those came out. Um, they were like, "This is the uh, it's digitally remastered," and this is. I think they said straight. This is going to be the last remastering of the original you know films before the special editions like they made it a point to say that in the promo that this is the last you know remastering of these films and before the special editions came out and kind of tinkered with stuff yeah so. and, and technically the last release of the unaltered footage i mean there is those dvds that came out in 2006 but those are more of um, a re-release of the Laserdisc. Um, but these are like the last time they re-released the original footage. Again, they cleaned it up, like you said. But, at, you know, the same, no special edition, no nothing. Same original cuts, everything. Um, that was the last time they released it. And that was over 20 years ago. But interestingly enough, I didn't have access to that set yet because... After I saw A New Hope, I actually didn't realize my cousin had this box set until like maybe, what, six months later because when I actually got to go to his house and visit him. Uh, so next best thing, uh, my friend from school, I was in third grade at the time, I believe, and my friend from school actually had a VHS copy of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so I actually saw Return of the Jedi before I saw Empire, and it became one of those things like, you know, I would never – Get to see Empire for the longest time because I had no access to it. Like my friend had Jedi, so I watched Jedi, you know. Um, and he had a New Hope. For some reason, he didn't have Empire. I don't know what happened to his Empire tip. I can't remember that far back. I don't know if it was broken or if he just never got Empire. But I only had those access to those two. Never had access to Empire until um, I realized that my cousin had the uh, that THX VHS uh, those versions, the ones with the big heads we we're just talking about. And uh, that's when I finally got to see Empire for the first time. And I don't remember much of my first viewing because I was so young. Um, but I do remember getting the uh, the 2004 DVD sets. Um, and I remember watching that DVD for the first time of Empire Strikes Back and just absolutely being floor floored by just what it was. Like I had already seen it at, up to that point, but I really didn't have a big memory of it. It was almost like, because I was so young, it was almost like I was I had watched it like on and off. Like I had I don't remember ever really 
sitting down for a full, you know, start to finish screening of it. Um, but when I bought the the 2004 DVDs, that was like my earliest memory of sitting down and watching it from start to finish. And, you know, it's it's it lives up to the hype, man. Like everything about the movie, it's it's set up with, beautifully with A New Hope and it just adds layers upon layers of depth to these characters. And the big uh, which we're going to get to the big shock ending that kind of uh, floored everybody um, just adds a nice touch to to the story. Adds a nice touch to the characters. And I remember sitting there. Just being, you know, I had already known the twist at this point because it's it's become such part of pop culture lexicon, even though the quote that they use is wrong a lot of the time. But, you know, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Uh, it's just it's just one of those uh, movie moments that, you know, we'll never forget. And, you know, it, it I've come to cherish that film ever since uh, the last 10, 15 years that I've had that DVD set. Like I, I watched it to death that uh, that 2004 disc until uh, I got the um until I got the Blu-ray, which was very recent. Like I never, I never bought that Star Wars Blu-ray set that came out that had all six movies. Uh, I waited until the Steel Books came out and I bought all of those, and which were pretty cheap. But you know, now you know, I'm I'm watching that one. You know, I I, I watched that one when I when I did the uh, my recent viewing to to prep. But uh, that 2004 disc, like if you if I were to look at it right now, it's all scratched up underneath just from all the times I've been rewatching that movie because it's such it really is a classic. Yeah, it is. Um, it is an absolute classic. Um, I first experienced the movie, and I, again, I'm just going to kind of go re- re- revisit how we talked about Star Wars last time. Um, I, you know, Star Wars first came out in '77. I wasn't born yet. Empire came out May of eight, 1980. I was born in June of 1980, so obviously I didn't see it in the theaters, um, or would have been too young. To, I would have been a baby to see it in theaters. Um, so the first time I remember have a, a have a, a memory of seeing uh, Star Wars in the theater was Return of the Jedi, and I think it was a re-release of Return of the Jedi because I don't think I would have remembered 1983. So it, probably, it was probably like a 1984 release or something. Um, but it wasn't until you know uh, later on, whenever they started playing them on TV. Uh, that I started kind of seeing them more often, and you know, uh, I think you know, I think the USA Network had them for a while, had rights to them for a while, at least in the eighties or nineties. I can't remember when it was. Um, and then when I again, kind of like you. Um, but probably I think a little earlier than you, I really started rediscovering them uh, whenever the, um, they started releasing them on, on VHS. So I know that they did initially release them when VHS first started, you know, first became a thing. They released them in their 80s. Um, but I, I got I first got the copies of them at those THX, uh, you know, remastered uh vhs copies that i now own again with the you know like you said the different faces on the covers um yeah those are the ones that i i ended up getting and those are the ones that i i watched over and over and over again until like the tapes were on almost um so i would say you know i i had watched them a lot in like the 80s but in bits and pieces but it probably wasn't until 1995 that i became like hardcore obsessed with star wars uh as a, as a young you know a teenage nerd um so that that was that was kind of my experience with it and uh you know much like everyone else i went to see the special editions and you know so so on and so forth but um 
yeah, so that's kind of my experience with Star Wars, and uh, you know, it's it's been a, a long part of our of my childhood, uh, and uh, I, I I'm hoping to kind of introduce it to my daughter as well, and she she actually asks to uh, to watch them every now and then. She's like, can we watch Star Wars? She has no idea what's going on, and I and I'll, I'll show her different pieces of different ones. I don't show her Empire because I don't want to reveal the ending to her. Um, so I really just yeah. show her Star Wars uh, and some of the prequel stuff because the prequels, for all their faults. They are kind of kid friendly, um, so there's stuff like in there that she can like just watch and be, you know, be kind of mesmerized by. But really, I kind of stick with right. a New Hope for the most part. Um, so let's get into it. Um, the movie was directed by Irvin Kirshner uh, with a screenplay by Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, uh, story by George Lucas, starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, uh, David Prowse, uh, James Earl Jones, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew, and Frank Oz, with music, of course, by John Williams, and it was released on May 21st, 1980. It was actually released a few days earlier um, in a premiere at, the, I think, like the NASA Space Museum or something like that in Washington, D.C. Oh, it's like yeah. a special release. Release, but it released uh, nationwide, or at least in wide release, on May twenty first. Um, so, a little background: Star Wars, the first first one, A New Hope, uh, was an, an, an enormous success. Uh, George Lucas took the money he made from that, the profits he made from that, and he also took like thirty three million dollars in loans to finance the sequel. Uh, because he wanted it to be independent of Twentieth uh, Century Fox, so that's why for the longest time, Twentieth Century Fox always owned the original Star Wars, um, but not the Empire and, Je and Jedi because uh, – uh, sorry, they own the distribution rights because um, it was with Empire that Lucas actually started producing it as uh, on his own as a quote-unquote independent filmmaker. Yeah, that that's always an interesting story to hear, and I remember – also, full disclosure, another DVD that I wore out around this time um, was the uh, Empire of Dreams DVD that came with the 2004 uh, DVD box set of the uh, the special editions. And one of my favorite sections was the story of Empire Strikes Back because, you know, it was one of those things where, like, George Lucas had such a disdain for the Hollywood system that he always wanted to uh, kind of produce these films independently. And with the success of A New Hope, he was able to do that. You know, um, because as we talked about in that last episode, he kind of foresaw, you know, how big merchandising was. Um, and that's where a lot of his uh, his dough came was, you know, in the licensing and, you know, all the, all the toys, and all the T-shirts and all that stuff. And, you know, he was able to use that success to be able to tell, you know, Hollywood, hey, screw you guys. I'm going to release this on my own. Um, but in, in the end, he did need 20th Century Fox to distribute distribute it for him. But for the most part. He financed this all himself, right? Um, well, not by—I mean, he did it through loans as well. But yeah, he right. did it. He did it by himself, and um, <clears throat> it's—it's funny to think that uh, during the making of this, he was like practically broke because he's pouring all his money into this film, breaking the number one rule of Hollywood: don't spend your own money on on a movie. Um, but right. <laughs> uh, but he, he he was pouring his his own money into this. Again, kind of going through all the all the merchandise money that he made and all the profits from and royalties from the first film. Um, so it, it's interesting that you think about it now that someone who George Lucas, who just who sold Lucasfilm what uh, in what was it twenty twelve twenty eleven twenty twelve to Disney for four billion dollars uh, in nineteen you know seventy nine nineteen eighty when this movie was. Uh, 
kind of getting off the ground, he was practically broke. But, you know, he was able to secure those loans because, you know, all he had to do was go to banks and go, hey, I'm making a sequel to Star Wars, the biggest movie of all time. Want to give me some money? Of course they're going <laughs> to give him money for that, right? Because they're yeah. going to make their money back in spades. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just kind of kind of odd to think of uh, Lucas being pretty much dirt broke uh, on, on uh, when he was producing this film. Yeah, and, I mean, this guy at this time, too, notwithstanding, you know, what was going on in his personal life, you know, he was kind of really stretching himself thin here. Um, you know, he was uh, kind of overseeing ILM, you know, handling the financing of the film. So he really couldn't devote his 110% effort to directing, which I'm sure it's what he wanted to do initially, he wanted to direct Empire Strikes Back. So he actually reached out to one of his old professors, uh, Irvin Kirshner and uh, asked him if he wanted to direct the movie, which he initially turned down, if I remember correctly. And then it wasn't until, you know, Kirshner's agent told him, take the job, that uh, he went back and told Lucas, yeah, I'll do it. So Yeah, Kirshner, um, exactly. Um, he, he turned it down, I think, because he said he didn't think he could live up to the the quality of the first one and you know of course his agents like what are you out of your mind because you yeah. know that agent's like all that agent's thinking of is that percentage that he's missing out on of course he wants to take the job right yeah um, but yeah so of course Irvin Kirshner did famously take it and it's funny that Empire is considered um, one of the greatest uh, uh, Star Wars films of all time so it's considered one of the greatest films of all time for by a lot of people uh, and Kirshner didn't exactly have, like, this stellar career. Like, I think the most high-profile movie he did after this is RoboCop 2. You know, he, he's not... Yeah. He, I mean, he's... Um, and, and the thing is, when you watch this film, his direction isn't even that... It's not that spectacular. I'm not I'm not trying to... Certainly, I'm not trying to, to, to um, you know, besmirch him in any way. He was a fine... He was a perfectly fine craftsman. But, you know, you can't think of, like, he doesn't. He didn't have a visual style. He kind of just kind of fit into, like, what the rest of the Star Wars movies kind of fit into, right? He didn't really have his own unique brand of style. He's just there to kind of, uh, you know, shepherd the movie in, in, into being, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind yeah. of interesting that, that here's a guy who's kind of just a craftsman. He, he wasn't really a well-known, like... Uh, well-known director, like you said, he was a professor at film school, um, you know, and he didn't have a lot of uh, high-profile films under his belt, ended up kind of directing one of the, what a lot of, you know, people consider the greatest Star Wars movie ever. Um, but it, you're right, Lucas did not have the time to direct, and he gave it, uh, he gave the directing uh, chores over to Kirshner. He also um, gave over the screenwriting uh, chores to uh, Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan. Now, Lucas did write an original draft, and then he kind of, you know, when he was getting more busy, he did kind of turn over that draft over to to these two. Um, uh, Lee Brackett first started the draft, um, but Lucas was disappointed in it. Uh, but before she could finish it, like uh, finish a new one, she had died of cancer, which is where Lawrence Kasdan came in. Um, and it's interesting that the original draft, a lot of the same plot elements are in the final film with a couple of key differences. One of them is... Um, Luke's father, Anakin, appears throughout the film as a ghost, uh, kind of in the way that Obi Wan does. Um, and uh, and the uh, reveal of the uh, of uh, Darth Vader being his father is is not in there either. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, I have a couple things to add, mainly from uh, from what I remember of the uh, of the uh, documentary. But we'll get to that once we get to the big uh, to that to that big moment in the film. <laughs> 
Right. Um, <clears throat> so it, it was on this film that um, Lucas started introducing the episode numbers. So on the first one, uh, in the first original, now obviously today you can't see a star, uh, the 1977 Star Wars without seeing episode four, New Hope. Um, right. But it was with this film uh, that he started putting in the episode numbers in it. And originally this was episode two because he was not originally planning on going back and, and doing the story of Anakin Skywalker. Uh, so this was episode two. And then throughout the writing process, uh, he started thinking about the um, the backstory of Darth Vader and then did want to go back and tell that story. And that's when he did change it to episode five. Um, so that So originally it did... In 1980, it did come out as episode five. So I know sometimes Lucas likes to claim, oh, it was all planned out. So this is one thing that leads credence to that. But as we'll discuss with yeah. some of the plot elements in here, especially with Luke and Leia, uh, he certainly didn't have everything plotted out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what's funny about that, too, is I remember um, I remember watching A New Hope for the first time in theaters and seeing the episode four on the top. And then I remember, like I said, I, I, before I saw Empire, I saw Jedi, and then I saw Episode Six. So I, I still remember this, which is kind of odd. Like I, I forget half the stuff, you know, during that time period for me. But this I remember. I remember maybe might have been either after I saw A New Hope or either after I saw Return of the Jedi for the first time with my friend's VHS tape. I went to my mother and I said, Mom, what what happens in episode one? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a Star Wars fan. So I actually thought there was an episode one in existence at that point. Because, like, what the hell did I know? You know, I was just getting into Star Wars. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I, um, like 95 that I realized, oh, wait, there is no episode one. But why would, why, where's episode one? Like, it didn't make any sense, you know? So, you know, it, it was, it was kind of wacky for me to discover it that way. <laughs> You know, it's funny, you know, you bring that up because that's whenever – when the special editions came out, that was like around – that was like the early days of the internet, right? Like the internet was in existence. There was there – a geek culture was starting to build on the internet. And I remember that's whenever – it was around then that they were talking about doing episodes one, two, and three like for real. Like they would always been rumored – um, like, you know, in comic book stores, people, geeks talking to each other, well, what happens in one, two, and three? But it was actually around that time that it may have been announced or plot and started to be planned, episodes one, two, and three. So I remember just there being a lot of speculation by the geeks in, in, online and in, and I say comic book stores because, you know, I worked at a comic book store. So I just remember all the kind of comic book store conversations, you know, so which is a lost art nowadays. But yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's uh yeah, that that I just remember very. I have fond memories of of the speculation of what could be, what could they do with episode one, two, and three. You know, so uh, yeah. But yeah, but people coming into the franchise with these special editions, like me included, you know, we're seeing you know episode four, five, and six. You're like, well, where the hell is was one, two, and three? You know, just it didn't make sense. Right. Because it, I mean, it, and, and you, and even now, to a novice, you have to explain. Well, okay, you 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 don't want to start with one, two, and three. You want to start with four, five, and six, and then go back yeah. and watch one, two, and three, and then you right. watch seven and eight. But then there's also Rogue One, and then, you know, it's so it gets like you know, it gets muddy whenever you try to, right. <laughs> try to explain to people now, whenever when they're not fans. But 
but yeah, to me, the proper order is four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three. Six and three. Um, but uh, and now, th- now there is the the other way that people go watch four and five, then go back and watch one, two, and three for the backstory, and then watch the culmination in six, which is fine. That's a fine way to watch it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but as long as you watch four and five first, though, that's you. That's an absolute must. <laughs> um, Definitely. But yeah, anyway, so. Uh, that's you know it was whenever he was uh, kind of coming up with that backstory that that he changed it to episode five instead of episode two, which must have really messed people up in 1980 whenever they saw that. <laughs> damn, damn right it did. Like five, like this is the second movie. Like, well, what's this guy on? You know, I mean, I can I can only imagine him like on talk shows or something. Just like, well, you see, uh, this is the uh, fourth. Uh, this is maybe the fifth episode of the. Uh, Star Wars stories, even though it's only the second film, and uh, he sounds a lot like Kermit. Kermit the Frog. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I mean, he really does. Um, let's see what else. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the most of the backstory as far as it goes. Unless you want to have anything else uh, going into it. Uh, like I said, I, I do have this, the James Earl Jones little snippet uh, that he talked about in the documentary about right, the. Uh, um, so uh, if. Do you remember from that documentary, they interviewed James Earl Jones, and he said that, well, you know, uh, wait, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. Maybe you could kind of fill in the holes for me in case I get the details wrong. But um, I think originally when they read the script, it said, uh, Obi-Wan killed your father. Right. That was the quote, right? That's what but everyone's then, script said, including Mark for, Hamill's. Except for James Earl Jones's. Right. His is the only one that said... I am your father. And then uh, James was like, when I read that, I was like, no, he's lying, you know, or something to that effect. Right? He thought like Darth Vader was lying to him. But uh, but yeah, but every single script except for James Earl Jones (laughs) said, you know, Obi-Wan killed your father. That was going to be the big reveal. But no, it was hidden from everyone except for James Earl Jones, who had to actually read the line. And he said. I am your father, and he just couldn't believe it. Like even he was marking out for that line, which is kind of that's kind of a neat story. It is a neat story, and then but no one ever knew that. Like because even on the set, uh, all the all the actors when they got the script, every it all said Obi Wan killed your father. So um, Mark Hamill had that had, had that version. Uh, David Prowse had that version whenever he was on set filming as Darth Vader, and um, it wasn't until right before they shot the scene, because you know David Prowse only basically mimic the movements right he i mean he did he did i know he did speak out the words so that mark hamill and everyone else around him could could react to them um but obviously they they were they were always replaced by james Earl jones's voice um so uh whenever you know he he said out loud obi-wan killed your father but um Mark Hamill, right before they shot that scene, Irvin Kirshner took him to the side and said, actually, what he's really saying is, I am your father, and you have to react to that. So I think that's a that's a cool little tidbit. That uh, And then I also was reading up on that he, Hamill kept it secret until, like, the day of the movie premiere. And uh, they said that even, like, the other actors, whenever the movie, like, played for the first time and they were watching, the, and they were watching it at the premiere, the other actors found out that at that moment, too. There's that uh, also. There's that famous, uh, that famous Simpsons clip, um, which is one of the flashback episodes that they do. And um, they're come, hit, uh, Homer and Marge are coming out of the Empire Strikes Back, you know. And he's, I'm sure you've seen this clip. Yeah, he's walking with her, and he, and he goes like, you know, wow, what a movie! 
who would have thought that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? He's walking past the people that hadn't seen it yet. And everybody's like, ah, you know, thanks, Mr. Blow the picture for me. <laughs> I, I love that line. Because it was funny because uh, because I did the same thing when I was coming out of uh, Infinity War. And I was like, oh, what a movie. Who would have thought blah, 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 blah dies? Oh, and you're like, ah. <laughs> so, you know, so I made that joke uh, after Infinity War. So. I mean, it, it's kind of timely, too, that we're doing Empire after that, too. But it's, it's kind of funny. Anyway. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, Darth Vader is uh, Luke Skywalker's father in Infinity War 2. Um, yes. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> for a 38-year-old movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, but, yeah. So that, that, that's, a, that's a cool little tidbit. But let, let's get into, like, the, the movie itself. So the movie starts off uh, It's probably several years after the, uh, after the original film. Like, you have the, the impression that the war has been going on for a couple of years. They don't really actually – I don't think they ever say, like, an actual timeline in the, in, the, in the opening crawl. But you get – it's been a while. Like, they've been through some battles. Uh, they're all stationed on Hoth, which is the ice planet. And uh, Princess Leia – sorry, uh, uh, Han and uh, Luke Skywalker are out kind of looking for uh, – you know, looking for – different probes and stuff like that before Luke is captured by a giant uh, uh, Wampa, Wampa, which is basically a, a Yeti, a Nabobna snowman, uh, who you never really see in the original cut. You don't actually see what he looks like. You get a brief instant of what he looks like. They cleaned that up in the special editions. but uh, and, and then Han Solo has to go out, has to go out and find him again, uh, and that's whenever the, you know... Uh, you, you kind of get the infamous, uh, and I thought they spilled bad on the outside. But right before that, <laughs> um, before that, before Han finds uh, freezing Luke Skywalker, uh, Luke is kind of stuck in a cave with this Wampa. And before he frees himself, he, his lightsaber is kind of out of hand's reach. And he decides to use the Force to kind of move it with his mind back into his, in his hand and then free himself. Which, here's, here's the thing I wanted to get to. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong... That is the first time you see that specific ability to a Jedi in these films, because I don't think you see Obi Wan do that in in, episode, uh, in in Star in the first Star Wars film. No, no you're absolutely right. Um, I think this uh, technically, if you want to be technical about it, um, this is the second time that you you uh, Luke has used the Force. The first time was during the the Death Star trench run when he uh, he used the last of the proton torpedoes, right. Um, but, and then this is the second time he uses the it, force for something. He uses the force, but in that, in, when he uses that, it's more like focus and focus his mind and concentrate. But it's not necessarily to. I I never took it to mean that he willed the torpedoes in there. I, I always took it to mean that he was using the force to concentrate his his efforts and, and be more focused. I think right. th- like this is the first time I think they actually say, "No, your mind can actually move move objects." Right, and yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting to as well. Like, the, like the trench was the first time he, he used the force for anything, right? right? And then this is the second time, you know, he, we see him use the force, but this is the first time we actually see him like be able to move objects with it, you know, right? And get bring objects to him, which is became the, the famous thing when I was in high school. You know, my uh, my friend. Uh, my friend and I, we would always like go up to like our teachers in high school and just hold out our, our fists, like we were co- trying to like use the force to bring like a cup or a piece of paper to us, and we used to annoy the shit out of everybody. But you know, but yeah, but that was like the first time you really saw that in a Star Wars movie. It's funny too because it's <laughs> with 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 Star Wars, it's like the Jedi's powers like continue to like 
at, at, with each movie, like they get a new power. I feel like uh, because then with like the prequels, they all of a sudden they get super speed, you know, you know and, uh, and they then, become Mary Poppins too. Apparently. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well. <laughs> Don't start. Uh, in, in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor has lightning, which is more of a dark force power, but still a Sith power, if you will. Um, but anyway, it's just it's just amusing that like in each in each one, like they they kind of add a new power to the uh, as as the need suits them for the story, I guess. <laughs> um, so then after he frees himself, he he does see uh, the ghost of Obi Wan. So the first we did see we did kind of get the sense that Obi Wan could kind of come back from then and talk to Luke in the original Star Wars when he talked to him about using the Force in the trench run. Um, yeah. But this is the first time you kind of see him as like a quote-unquote ghost um, as he tells him to go to Yoda and uh, go to the Dagobah system to train under Master <laughs> Yoda. Um, that, and this is right whenever uh, Han finds him. Right. You, you will go to the Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda. The Jedi Master who instructed me. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not a bad. Uh, that's not a bad uh, Obi Wan. Um, and then, and so, then but, we but have before the... this. Before this, though, we get what probably my favorite lineup to that point, where um, where um, Han Solo look goes to um, find Luke and he can't find him. You're like, you know, did the Commander Skywalker come in? You know, and he can't find. Him. Like, you know, why don't you go find out? It's getting dark out there. And then they find out that Luke hadn't come back yet because you know the Wampa grabbed him and whatnot. So. You know they try to they try to tell him you know don't go out there you know it's, it's getting the temperatures dropping you're like yes my friends my friends in it I got to go out there and find them like you're tossing a free before each second marker then I'll see you in hell <laughs> and then he rides off bro. I love that line bro with the way Han Solo goes like I'll see you in hell yeah and then he goes off to find Luke that's that's badass right there <laughs> yeah it's a good and this is a good this is a good movie for Han Solo I think he um I think both I think the three main characters Han Luke and Leia have some good development in this one more Han and Luke than Leia uh, Leia does get some development but I think it's really more Han and Luke Han ha- is developing into the hero like in the first one he's more of a he's more of the anti-hero that kind of has like the change of heart at the end in this he's like trying to it's almost the reverse like he's the hero that's trying to like uh, ignore his past and like stay a hero but he like he keeps trying to get because he needs to return that money back to, to to Jabba and the thing that I always kind of got on and I still to this day I'm a little annoyed at Princess Leia it's like he has to like he doesn't want to like be murdered right like right. he has to give the money to Jabba the Hutt like he can come back you know what I mean like what is she so upset about like because I don't think he says he's not coming back he just needs to pay off Jabba exactly you know, and uh, the way she kind of reacts to him leaving is, you know, I don't blame him for kind of acting the way he did in a way, you know, <laughs> you know like, well, your highness, I guess this is it. Yes, it is. Oh, don't get all mush on me. So long, princess. <laughs> you know, and then they had that big uh, confrontation in the hallway, which I, I mean, I love their entire like their scenes together are so awesome. They have such great chemistry and just the way that it kind of builds really up do. to that big moment in the Millennium Falcon later on. That is just. You know, it's just it's perfectly built, starting with that moment, you know, when he has to leave and they they argue and whatnot. And just leading up to that point, it's just it's it's great. It's just great writing, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 sad because I was watching it today before we recorded. And it was just like I was watching. I was like, oh, man, like she was so great in this movie. And like it's made me miss her. It made me miss Carrie Fisher. Yeah, she's really good in this movie. Um but yeah, so and it's at this point like the the three. Well, first we get the infamous moment where, uh, again, we know, you know, George Lucas may may think that he had the whole Anakin storyline 
thought up ahead of time, fine. I'll give him that. But he certainly didn't think that Luke and Leia were, were brother and sister ahead of time. Nope. Because, first of all, they kiss in, in Star Wars whenever she kisses him for good luck. And in this one, she plants one on him. She plants plants one on him long and deep in front of Han to make Han jealous. And she even does it at the end, too, um, uh, whenever he comes back inside from uh, uh, whenever she <laughs> rescues him, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, George, I mean, come on. And the thing is, they even set it up later that there's another Jedi out there. So, right. if, so here's the thing about it. So if at the end yoda says towards the very end he says no there is another another jedi right so lucas knew and his writers lawrence kasdan knew that there was going to be another jedi that they were going to introduce in or another like hope another hope or whatever you want to call it right um so they either knew it was going to be leia in 1980 or they didn't know if they didn't know then it, it, it like destroys his whole like i knew the whole story ahead of time thing if he did know like um why did you have them kiss earlier in the movie? You know what I mean? Well, here's what here's how I understood it and this here's how like from what I I read a couple things um recently to kind of shed light on this um and uh I think what the original intention was was that at this time he had intended to do a sequel trilogy. And from what I understand, um Episodes seven, eight, and nine at this point was gonna have were gonna revolve around Luke's sister, who was unnamed at the time. Um, but yes, yeah, she was gonna be the the other quote unquote New Hope. Um, but then by the time he was doing Return of the Jedi, that whole idea of doing the sequel trilogy was scrapped, and he ended up retconning Leia to the point where like now Leia was his sister. So I think at this point he was intending on doing a seven, eight, and nine that revolved around Luke's sister, um, but then. What I understand, by the time Jedi rolled around, he had scrapped those plans, and he ended up retconning Leia because he had already set up, you know, that there was another, like Yoda said, and he ended up retconning to the point where, like, he made Leia now the sister. That's what I read somewhere. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that's I mean, what that I, would make I read. Sense. It would make sense. Uh, that's the best explanation for it because otherwise, he either knew what he was, he was going to make her the sister, and then had him commit incest anyway, yeah. or he just <laughs> or he didn't know and then retconned it, like you said. I mean, that makes the most sense to me, right? Um. So at this point, this is when we get like the the splintering off of the characters. At this point, they don't see each other again until the next movie. Where um, well, I Leia, Which, Luke and Leia do reunite, but they don't reunite right. with Han until the next movie. Where uh, Han right. and Leia go off uh, off of because uh, the Empire is attacking, and Darth Vader is coming down and uh, you know attacking Hoth. So uh, Han escapes in the Millennium Falcon with her and Chewie. And C three PO, and then Luke goes to dig up the system to find Yoda. So they they this is the first time they kind of in in the series that they kind of splinter off on their own different adventures. And the movie at this point kind of cuts back and forth between the two. Right, right. So um, what this happens because of the Battle of Hoth. Um, so the probe droids report back to the Empire that the rebels are hiding on Hoth. So they send down the at-ats, as people like to say. And I will never say at-ats. I'm just saying that to annoy people right now. The AT-ATs, well, the first appearance of the AT-ATs. I call them at-ats, to be honest. You call them at-ats? I do call them at-ats. <laughs> I don't, there are people that get so mad when you say at-ats, though. Whatever they're That's at-ats. What... <laughs> Come at me, nerds. <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, just 
that's when you think of Empire Strikes Back, you think of the ATATs, bro. Like that's that's like the lasting image of that film. Other than you know the the I am your father sequence, that's the that's the image you think of when you think of this movie. It's it's the ATATs and the snow speeders, which is kind of cool. And uh, you know the uh, the uh, the ATATs attack. You know the rebels pretty much get their their ass beat here, um, and they have to evacuate Hoth. Um, and yeah, they, they pretty much get decimated here at the beginning. So it's already looking grim for these guys. Yeah. And, and this kind of sets the tone for the movie. The, the movie doesn't really get out of this kind of grim tone for the rest of it. I mean, you have lighthearted moments, but for the most part, it's grim from this point forward and there's really no getting out of it. Um, so, uh, so a good portion of, of Han and Leia's story is basically hiding out from the Empire. They're hiding out in an asteroid field. Uh, they, they're you know trying to escape the Empire. And meanwhile, L- uh, Luke is training with Yoda on uh, on Dagobah. You know, at first you have uh, Yoda being all goofy and silly, and then finally he reveals to Luke that he is actually the the Jedi Master. Uh, after uh, Obi Wan kind of interjects with his Force Ghost, saying, "Was I any different when you trained me?" Um, but uh, yeah, this is whenever Luke kind of starts to starts training and. Basically doing gymnastics. I mean, that's that's his training. Yeah. is doing gymnastics in a swamp. Yeah, you know, like I, I cannot train him. The boy has no patience. He will learn patience. There you go. You're, you're gonna <laughs> that's do, a, the, that's a you're gonna do all the Obi Wan lines now. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Um, yeah. So yeah. So it's basically a lot of gymnastics. A lot of uh, you know, running around, carrying. That, that's where the the big the famous scene of you know Luke carrying Yoda on his back comes from, you know, he's running through the forest, the swamp, you know, and, uh, you know, he just kind of asks questions, you know, is the dark side stronger? Like, is yeah. Well, I mean, not necessarily stronger, but is it easier? Yes. And as he's trying to explain to him that, you know, you know, the light and the dark are pretty much equal, but the dark side is, you know, the quicker path, like the, like almost, he was almost trying to imply it's like the lazier path. Like if you want ultimate power quick, that's what you do, but then you ruin yourself in the process, you know? So, you know, he's kind of, you know, trying to get, you know, the, philis- the the philosophies of the Jedi versus, you know, the dark side, aka the Sith, which we don't know it's the Sith yet until the prequels, but, you know, but it, this is good stuff. You know, he's training to become a Jedi. He's uh, kind of being confronted with a lot of these, you know, uh, Things that he foreshadows a lot of things that are going to happen down the line to him, especially like my favorite scene from this whole um, other than, you know, do or do not. There is no try is uh, that scene in the cave where he sees Darth Vader. And then when he cuts off the head and it turns out it's actually Luke's head. That's very creepy. We've seen it for the first time. It's very like you're confused. Like, what the hell is this? You know, and I was hoping not to get on a tangent that last Jedi would do something like this with Ray. And they really didn't. Um, But uh, but. You see that scene in Empire, and it just kind of freaks you out, like holy crap! Like you know, what, like what does it all mean? Um, but but and it's a cool visual too. Yeah, that certainly that moment certainly confuses a little kids. Let me tell you, tell you, whenever I was a kid, I was like, what, what, what is happening? <laughs> what just yeah. happened? He, he, it's a robot with Luke's face. I don't understand. Like so, yeah. you know, obviously when you're older, you get it. But like when whenever you're younger, you're like, huh? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it's the whole middle section. Is bit is is very light on action and heavy on character development. Uh, Luke is learning about the ways of the Force from Yoda. Like uh, he he you you tell that he you can you know you you can see that he's impatient and he and he just wants to he he, he it's it's really good writing because the whole thing about the dark side is that it's the quicker way to power right right and Luke 
shows himself to be impatient. And obviously we foreshadow, it's a foreshadowing of a fact that he is the son of, of Vader because Vader took the path to the dark side. And Luke is, is kind of showing those tendencies because he wants to be the best he can be right away. You know, he tr- he's trying and, and uh, every time he tries to do something, he fails because he doesn't believe in, you know, and, and Yoda has to kind of teach him that he has to, he has to have patience and he has to, you know, work at this, you know, instead of just expecting things to happen. And this is where you get right. the do or do not, there is no try. You, this right. is where you get the adventure excitement of Jedi needs not these things, right? This is where you get whenever, after Luke fails to 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 take the X-Wing out of the swamp and, and Yoda does it fairly easily, he goes, yeah. I don't believe it. And he goes, that is why you fail. Why you fail. You know, I mean, this is, this is all really good stuff that it is really gets to the heart of Luke and uh, why he, you know, he could be easily tempted to the dark side. And then on the other hand, you have Han and Leia's relationship building, and that whole storyline is basically Han, you know, kind of in love with her, and he and he's trying to show her that he is without actually saying the words, and she's trying to deny that she's attracted to him, and she's trying to deny it, uh, and and um, and this is a really good. Uh, I don't want to say it's a good love story without being like an overly sappy love story. You really only get one. You get one, you get two kiss scenes. One, the one when they're kind of on the Falcon and they're like trying to repair that thing, and C three PO interrupts them, and uh, uh, you know, uh, but they the, take a movie about C three PO called Blockers. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> uh, and then the other one, uh, you know, right before he gets frozen in carbonate, and we'll get to that famous line when we get there. But um, so it does a really good job of like showing that she sees the virtue in him, she sees the hero in him, but, like, she doesn't want to, like, admit that he's a good man uh, because he is such a scoundrel. And, right. and he also is trying to be tough but, like, not admit that he, he has these tendencies either. So that that's their that's their storyline. Um, and then they eventually uh, escape the Empire uh, and, and head off to Cloud City, but not before being followed by uh, Boba Fett. Uh, who has been, who has been hired by Vader to to find uh, to find Han Solo? Uh, they land on uh, Cloud City, uh, which is or Bespin, um, yeah, which is run by Lando Calrissian, his old friend. And I, what I like is that you know we're gonna have a home movie where Han meets Lando, you know, and it's uh, coming out in a couple months. And, you know, one thing I will say: Donald Glover looks the part, you know, better than better than uh, Alden Ehrenreich looks like Harrison Ford. Um, yeah. He looks the part. He kind of, from what I can tell in the trailer, he acts the part. So that that's like the least of the worries I have with that. But it's also kind of like, did we need to see this backstory? You know, like because you get everything you kind of need about about what they're going to do uh, about their relationship in this film. Like it's only a couple of lines of dialogue and this their interaction with each other that kind of tell you okay they used to know each other whenever they were both kind of pirates and they're both kind of scoundrels and not really trustworthy but you know they're they kind of it's kind of like a a a brotherhood of bandits a brotherhood of like honor among thieves kind of thing right so um that's how they knew it that's really all you need do we really need a whole movie exploring this we really don't that's i mean i can put it as simply as that we really don't but we're getting one anyway yeah uh and this is where we learned that you know han that lando was the original owner of the the Millennium falcon and and han wanted off of him in a in a bet or a game or something um oh i can't wait to see that scene you know because that's what i wanted you know i want to see how the Millennium falcon got to han solo that's that's what i've been wanting for my entire life to see that scene you know (laughs) Hashtag sarcasm, in case that didn't come across. <laughs> now, in, in the middle of all of this, we do get a scene uh, where 
you know, we do get – every time we cut back to the Empire – so I, I was saying that, you know, we cut back between Han and Leia and Luke, but we actually cut back to a third storyline, which is uh, Darth Vader's kind of uh, search to find Luke and Han, for that matter. Um, and you you would get different interludes of, like, different uh, poor schmucks that would interrupt the Vader and tell them their plans, and then they'd screw those plans up, and then he'd choke them to death. Um, yeah. You get the really cool shot of, like, uh, this is, I mean, this is really good direction. Like, like, this is really good shot, and I don't know if it was written in the script or, or directed uh, on the set, but whenever you see the the back of Vader's head and you see it's all scarred and you see the the helmet yeah. come down that's a great shot and I'm sure people in 1980 were flipping out because they're like oh we almost saw his face you know what I mean like because that's because when I first saw it I was like oh my god you almost see his face uh so it, it's a it's a pretty cool scene um but during all those different scenes he kills different different admirals just keep screwing up but uh you also get a very, pretty important um scene where uh he meets he goes to have like a little chat with the emperor which is the first time you see the emperor in the movie uh uh-huh. in the in the series uh-huh. i think they yes. mentioned him in star wars i can't remember do they mention they mention him? they mention him in a new hope in that big like that boardroom scene right where, they, where that guy gets choked out yes but they never show him in there they, this is the first they time never you show see him. him and even then they they eventually change the scene remember later. remember like how will the emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy the regional governors They'll have direct control over their territories. Yes. Fear will keep the systems in line. That's right. That's right. They do say that. Man, you you remember that line pretty good. Um, so yeah, uh, it's uh, you have a, a, a you have a moment where they're talking to each other, and without revealing who the father is, they go, "The son of Skywalker is dangerous. We need to kill him." Basically, and Darth Vader's like, "If he can be turned, he can be good, a great ally." And uh, the Emperor basically says, "Can you do it?" And he's like, "If I can't, he'll die." Uh, yep. So. You're watching it for the first time. You're like, okay, Vader's going to try to turn this guy. That's interesting. But then later you really find out he's trying to turn him because he knows it's his son. Now, when do you suppose he finds out that it's his son? I'm assuming after the original Death Star run, right? Because he probably finds out, oh, there's there's a new hero, Luke Skywalker. And it's probably like, it was like, hey, (laughs) that's my kid. How many other Skywalkers can there be? He probably sensed it. Yeah, he probably sensed it for a, for a while, you know, especially after after what happened with the Death Star. But I don't think it was. Con- I always saw it as it wasn't confirmed to him. Like he's always suspected it, but he wasn't confirmed until the Emperor said he's the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. You know, so that's when when he heard that. That's when he was like, "Oh crap!" You know, he is my son. But I felt like he suspected ever since the 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 Death Star, the Battle of Yavin. You know, right? Uh, and it's. Uh... Now, did they change any of the dialogue? Because I thought there's a point where, because I watched it, I watched the original cut. I didn't watch the the Blu-ray today, and in the original cut, they say it's the son of Skywalker, but I feel like there's a cut where he says something like, "How can it be?" or something like that. Um, that I don't remember because I pretty much only grew up with the special edition cuts that had Ian McDermott in, in, in for the. Clive, whatever the guy's name is, or so, uh, uh, so I don't remember if there was another line like that. I could have sworn there was a moment where, um, in that in that scene where Vader said, where like they maybe they redub it or something, where he says, "How can?" Where he mentions that it's the son of Skywalker, and he says, "How can that be?" or something like that. Yeah. I could have sworn he says that somewhere in some edition. They've come out with so many editions. I swear. Or that could just be your headcanon. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, but I feel like I've seen it. I feel like I've seen it. Uh, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen it somewhere. Um, so anyway, um, this is so that so you find out that that is his plot. He's trying to uh, get Luke Skywalker over to the dark side, um, and in doing so, uh, he he Boba Fett has you know tracked Han to Cloud City. Uh, he's informed the Empire, and then Lando basically lays a trap for Han uh, because he's he's being basically blackmailed uh, or threatened that if he doesn't, that he's going to take over, that the Empire is going to take over Cloud City. Um, so Lando basically betrays Han, and uh, Vader traps Han and Leia in an attempt to bait a trap for for Luke Skywalker. Right, right, and. Um... You know they, they, I, they, I love that scene where uh, he uh, he lures them into the the, uh, the big uh, banquet hall and Vader's there. That's that's a big scene right there. Especially if you watch it for the first time, like oh my god, like there he is. Like we'd be honored if you could join us, you know. Um, and uh, and then right after that, I believe that's the big uh, that's the torture scene where like Khan gets tortured. You don't even see like what happens to him. It's just like he's in some weird contraption, and all you just hear the screams. And uh, and then like you know Vader tells uh Boba Fett you know you can you can take a job with a hut you know and then um I forget exactly and I just watched this I can't remember I can't, I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting this already but um you know Lando saying so you know so Leia Leia and uh, and Chewbacca are gonna stay with me and and I forgot what how the uh the rest of the conversation went and it's funny because I just saw this and I can't remember it but you know but I love how Vader ends the whole thing by saying perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly <laughs> and then Lando all of a sudden just backs off and is like no you know good you know it'd be very unfortunate to have to leave a garrison here <laughs> you know I, I, that's all I remember for because it's, so, it's such an alpha line by Vader but like he just he, he knows he has all the power over him right now he has all the leverage you know it's like you know you think you're being treated unfairly like too bad, you know, so – and then he alters the deal later, which, by the way, kudos on that meme you sent me earlier about MoviePass, which is perfect, by the way. So <laughs> I laughed my ass off at work when I saw that. But anyway. Yeah, Priya, don't alter it any further. Okay, so I did Google while you were talking, and I, there is a difference. I knew it. All right, so in the original 1980 version, the Emperor says, we have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. Uh, yes, my master. In the 1997 special edition, it is changed. He says, we have a new enemy, the young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. Darth Vader, how is that possible? Emperor, search your feelings. You will know it to be true. He could destroy us. Uh, Then Darth Vader goes, he is just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. Uh, And then the Emperor, the Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. And then, and then after that point, it it goes back to the original script. So they add like several new lines in the special editions. I knew there was something different because I I, because I only ever watch the original cut anymore. I don't ever watch the special editions. So I knew there was something different, and that's it. It's he he goes, how is it possible? So that is whenever he finds out. I guess in in the special edition, he finds out in that moment. Really? Yeah. That's oh okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay, so they added that in, in the '97 special edition, right? That yes. They added. Okay, cool. Yes, and again, uh, I, I, again, I only ever watched the original cut, so I don't. I, I that's why, but I knew I had seen and heard that line before, and it just it was sticking with me really bad, and it was really pissing me off. Anyway, so um, basically, uh, as you were pointing out, you know, uh, Vader is torturing Han. With the intent, uh, the the express purpose of uh, baiting Luke into a trap, 
knowing that Luke is force sensitive and knowing that Luke is going to feel those emotions coming through, he's going to uh, rush in to save his friends. And th- this is where we get more of the more development for Luke, because Luke is trying to leave uh, Yoda and Obi Wan, both knowing that rushing into a battle that, he, that he's not prepared to fight uh, is dangerous. They both know that this is this could be a path to the dark side because Vader. Uh, not only is he is he trying to is he abandoning his training, but he's also going to someone who's very influential, like Darth Vader. Darth Vader could convince him to go to the dark side. They could. They do know that he could um, reveal that he is his father, and then it could totally mess with him. So they are desperately trying to keep him on uh, keep him from going. Um, but uh, of course, Luke Luke takes the bait. Of course, you know, <laughs> if you choose to face Darth Vader, you must do so alone. I cannot interfere. <laughs> Buy what you have learned. Save you again. Um, and then, of course, this is where we get uh, the the line as Luke uh, as Luke uh, flies off. Um, uh, no, the, uh, that boy is our last hope. No, there is another. And there's something I kind of it's funny because I I caught uh, an editing mistake in in this in this in this scene. Um, right you know, as he says, I understand. He climbs up the X wing to get in, uh, on a ladder to go into the X wing. And then the next shot of him, there's no ladder there. He just flies off. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I, didn't catch that I, I mean, I don't need. I don't need to see what happened to the ladder. It's just funny. I just noticed there was no ladder anymore. It just disappeared. Right. That that's that's kind of that's goofy. <laughs> that's a goofy little editing mistake. But yeah, so he flies off, you know, and then you know, you know, Obi Wan says, you know, that boy's our last hope. No, there is another. <laughs> And you kind of see the X, the, the light of the X wing kind of fade, and that's that's a great shot, by the way. Yoda, it's a really good just, shot. Yeah. And can we talk about real quick before we move on? A good portion of this movie is Mark Hamill talking to a puppet, and it doesn't seem goofy. Like it should seem goofy, right? It should seem dumb, but it doesn't for some reason. Yeah, it's just you know, I mean, props to the to to the special effects department there to make it seem you know because Stuart there were freeborn who who uh, created Yoda I should, yes. should give him and then props. of course the the great Frank Oz for voicing him right. you know and and and, uh, and, uh, port- and doing the puppeteering too absolutely and i mean i never once thought it was like it was a puppet like i knew it was a puppet but like when you when you watch it the way it's filmed the, the way like you know everything is every way everything is done you it's it's done so perfectly you can't even really tell and I kind of just love I love that throwback too in, in Last Jedi you know you have you know Luke talking to a puppet here and Luke talks to a puppet <laughs> in 2017 so that was kind of neat that they did a little throw that's probably my favorite part of Last Jedi honestly seeing Puppet Yoda come back so yeah, I uh, love Puppet Yoda Puppet Yoda looks so much better than CGI Yoda yeah uh, and I, I hate and I hate I, even though uh, Phantom Menace is what it is but I hate but the thing that I hate the most about it is that they replaced Puppet Yoda there with CGI Yoda and it, and it, and it pisses me off well know? in the original release it was a Puppet Yoda and it then, was yeah in exactly. the Blu-rays and stuff that's whenever they changed it to a to a, a CGI and that's so yeah, dumb and I, I hate I, I hated that so much because my original VHS of Phantom Menace has Puppet Yoda still so yeah yeah exactly and it looks much better it just does look it, just it does yeah and it gives the actors something physical to react to. You know what I mean? And I mean, you know, nowadays, you you know, we talked about Infinity War a little earlier. You know, they on that film they had, um, you know, whenever there whenever there's a any theme with Thanos in it, that was Josh Brolin on the set with a motion capture suit. Any scene with um, with Rocket, it's I think um, I think it's um, James Gunn's brother uh, Sean Gunn. Who Sean Gunn, who yeah. portrays Rocket in a, in a motion capture suit, and I believe. 
another person uh, does a Groot in motion capture. Um, and I believe all the actors who did the uh, who were Thanos as kind of henchmen, uh, they were all physical actors in motion capture suits on the set. Um, so it gives like people something to react to, right? As in, but exactly. then when you watch the prequel trilogy and you see, for example, Obi Wan fighting uh, General Grievous in Episode Three, he can't like it's like when he he can't really react to anything because there's nothing there. There's a point where General Grievous takes out like five lightsabers or something, starts spinning them around, and Obi Wan doesn't really his expression. He knows tells it, yeah, <laughs> because he's like. He doesn't know what he's looking at. You know, oh, the, on the day of, you and McGregor were just looking at a screen, a green screen, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it helps to have something to, to act on, act to, you know? And, you know, Mark Hamill was there talking to Yoda, basically. I mean, it was a puppet. The, the Frank Oz was underneath on a stage, you know, making the voice and, and doing the uh, different uh, the hand motions and everything. But it, it was something physical for him to act to. And, and I think that's um, – and it's funny because – and this kind of ties into uh, ties into a little bit here because uh, Frank Oz kind of got his start on the Muppets. Um, and if you ever talk to, if you ever hear actors talk about who who work on like Muppet movies and stuff, they kind of always say it's really easy to 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 get into the character because the puppeteers are so good at their jobs. They yeah. kind of think them like they they trick themselves into thinking they're actually talking to like Kermit or they're actually talking to like Miss Piggy, you know, because it's such a real physical thing. It's in front of them and they, they can, and they have distinct personalities that they can almost, they almost feel like they are talking to it like a, a, you know, a a talking frog. And I think that's kind of the same thing with Mark Hamill and and Yoda here. Like Frank Oz is so good at his job. Like Mark Hamill's able to react to this little green frog. Like it's real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on, the uh, this is where we get the uh, the famous carbonite sequence. Um, yes, Vader uh, has decided that he wants to freeze Luke and carbonite, but he doesn't want it to. He doesn't. He doesn't know if it's going to kill him, so he's going to test it on Han Solo. Test it on Captain Solo. He's no good to me, dead. The Empire will compensate you if he dies. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing. One of the things that the, the Blu-rays messed up was that they changed the Boba Fett's voice to the dude who played Boba Fett. So from Attack the, of the Clones. From yeah. Attack of the Clones. I mean, from your, your favorite Star Wars movie. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> the uh, So they, they tested on Solo, and uh, right before, this is whenever Leia finally says, I love you to Han Solo, and he says... Uh, I know, and I then know. and which is the most badass line in in the entire trilogy. It's the, it's the most like every guy wishes he had an I know moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, it's such a great way to go out on, and you know, of course they they freeze him in carbonite, and uh, they they make they make a point to say that he's alive in there, but it still looks grim for 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 Han. Um, and you know, g- going to that to that um, to that scene. That was an ad lib line. I think this is kind of a famous story, but uh, yes. they they did not know how to do that scene. They they kept because the originally scripted, he was supposed to say "I love you too," "Love you too," and it yeah. just didn't work. There's no like they couldn't make it work. And then finally, when they did one take, uh, where I think Irving Kirshner said, "Just say whatever comes to mind. Don't think about it. Just say it." And Harrison Ford ad libs the line, "I know," and then that's the take they used. Um, so that you can credit Harrison Ford for that because that was his idea. So and it total, makes total sense. That's exactly what Han Solo would say. Um, and of course, they reversed this in Return of the Jedi, where he says, "I love you" to her, and Princess Leia goes, "I know," which was a cute moment, but not yeah. as effective as this one. Right. 
Right. Um, but yeah, that that was the the famous line. You know, again, going back, again going back to Avengers: Infinity War, that was the one thing I kind of thought was a little off. Whenever uh, Gamora says it to Peter, and Peter says it back, and I was like, eh, it didn't feel right to me. I don't it know. felt too. Uh, it felt like what, he should what, have what, had an "I know" moment, and he didn't. Right, right. Like it felt like too. I guess manufactured. I guess is what you're trying to say, yeah. right? It didn't feel. It didn't really feel like. It didn't feel real. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But yeah. which I understand. I get it. So as, as, after this point is when Luke arrives, uh, and uh, Lando, after all this, has decided to have a change of heart and decides he can't live under the Empire rule anyway. Uh, betrays the Empire, uh, saves you know saves Leia after, before Chewie kind of chokes him out a bit and makes him his uh, makes him his bitch. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know they they um, they end up escaping on the Millennium Falcon. Um, but uh, Luke and then is kind of uh, stuck in an epic battle with Darth Vader. And uh, this out of all eight movies, this is my favorite lightsaber battle. Is the is the Luke and Darth Vader's uh, lightsaber battle from this movie? I know that the ones from the prequels are fancier. They're they're much flashier. Um, the original one from Star Wars. I mean, come on, it's not good. <laughs> you know, like it's a it's it introduced the concept of lightsabers, but I mean, you have two old men trying to do a light like lightsaber fight. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> the Force is with you, young Skywalker. So this this is my favorite. A very close second is the is the lightsaber battle from Return of the Jedi. Um, and and the reason both of those are in my my top two is because they both have like a lot of drama and stakes behind them. And in this one, it's. It's whenever you know Luke confronting his his fear for the first time and finding out that Vader is his father, and then in the second, in in Return of the Jedi, it's him trying to redeem his father and being consumed by hate. So right. both of them have like dramatic stakes to them, but this one is my favorite, even though it's not as flashy as the as the Phantom Menace one or the Revenge of the Sith one. It's still there's more dramatic emphasis to this one. And I love the background too, just the the set design and the colors used. It just it just looks intense. The entire, especially in the carbon freezing chamber, like when they first start, it just looks awesome. Just the visual of it, like they're facing off for the first time, and just the background, like the, the actual setting they're in, it's just it it's, has that really cool, like really cool vibe to it. You know, that just kind of sucks you in, like whoa, this is it's about to go down. You know? Yeah, I I love that that whole kind of introduction. It's like, yeah, uh, what do you say? You are the force is with you. The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. yet. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Great. You know, it's a great introduction to the two. They they and they basically don't really talk much. They just have their fight until the end. Whenever Vader finally cuts off his hand and then gives them the the speech, which is uh, at this point a very epic speech. uh, um, And the reveal is, is, you know, we've already talked about where he says, I am your father. And, you know, it's one of those things that I always when I went into it, I already knew the end. I already knew the ending, and it still doesn't. It still doesn't lessen the impact. I mean, of course, if I never would have known ahead of time. It would have been amazing to find out, but um, it's still a good reveal. It's still a very good reveal. Right. So, oh, so you're already getting to the big moment, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So they pretty much fight throughout the uh, throughout Cloud City. They first they they get out of the carbon freezing chamber. Vader thinks that he's got him already. He's like, well, he even taunts him to the point where he goes, you know, perhaps you know, you're not as strong as the Emperor thought, and you know, all too easy. And he switches on the uh, the the freezing chamber, and Luke jumps out of it with the Force. And that's where I get one of my favorite lines: "Impressive, most impressive," which I love to use on on different things, right? Um, and then 
they pretty much get to that um to that bridge area and uh he cuts off his hand bro <laughs> and that's uh and then we that's when we get the uh the big moment uh of this film yeah it, it is uh whenever he says obi-wan never told you what happened to your father uh, he told me enough. He told me you'll kill him. No, I am your father, and that is the line, people. No, comma, I am your father. It's not Luke. I am your Luke, father. I am your father. It's one of the most misquoted lines ever. It's a, it's up there with played against Sam. That is never said. It's up there with hello Clarice. That is never said. It's one of the most misquoted lines ever. It's so annoying when people say Luke, I am your father. It's like it makes it kind of it makes my eye twitch. It's like no, that's not the line. <laughs> Oh, and and then just kind of uh, seeing Luke react to that is amazing. Like Mark Hamill's an amazing job here, just reacting so perfectly to to such horrible news. You know, it's just like, and then when it hits him, it's just like it 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 shatters his entire world. Like no, you know. Oh man, what a great moment, bro! Just one of the classic moments in cinema, not just in Star Wars, but just in, in all in all the movies, bro. Like for real. Yeah, I love that. It's one of the best moments in in cinema. You're right, absolutely. It, in that Oscars montage we talked about, you know, uh, last month or two months ago, it is it is in there as a, as one of the moments, and it's it always sends chills up my spine. I love that moment, um, and it is a great it's a great payoff to that movie. Um, now, what what you need to do actually, um, and it's becoming a fact. I think everybody's doing it now, so you 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 won't be a pioneer in this instance, but. Um, when you first put this on for your daughter, you need to record her reaction to that scene. Yes, because everybody's that, doing it. There's that. There's that one. The, the famous video of the one little kid that the uh, that the, and he has the best look on his face whenever he finds out. It's so cute. Uh, and there's I, like hundreds of these videos now, of like of like parents, you know, recording their kids watching that scene for the first time and them reacting. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, there's some great. There's some great ones. Though. I'm gonna. I, I'm I, gonna I, try. I, I hope it doesn't get ruined for her before she gets to it. Because the thing is. She's three, so she's she's got the attention span to watch like a good chunk of a movie without like kind of moving around. Like I, I don't think she's th- at the point where she can like sit and watch a whole movie and understand every plot point. You know what I mean? Right. So I think she's got maybe two years before that happens. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but just 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 an idea, <laughs> you know, for when you eventually show it to her. Um. So yeah, uh, Luke uh, does he, instead of joining Vader, he escapes. Um, he falls down this kind of air shaft, uh, and then kind of almost falls out of the whole cloud city. Calls out to Leia to help him. Leia comes, convinces Lando to bring the ship back, and they uh, they rescue Luke. They escape from the Empire, and then um, the last scene in the film is basically Han, or sorry, Lando and Chewie going off to rescue Han. Uh, Luke getting his hand replaced by an electronic hand, and then that's it. The movie ends, and it's movie ends. it's it's grim. Like Luke gets his hand chopped off. He finds out Vader's his father. Um, the uh, Han is frozen in carbonite. The bad guys basically win, and he, like basically the all all the ba- the good guys don't do any damage to the bad guys here. All they do is escape a bad situation, and that's it. Like they don't do any, they don't get a victory here, uh, and it, it's like in the the, um, I believe it's Clerks in the Clerks, uh, the first Clerks movie where he goes, it's a, the whole movie's just a down ending, and that's what it is. It's a down ending. It's it's absolutely, uh, completely bitter. I mean, 
I don't want you to say it's bittersweet because I don't know if there's a sweet moment to it. It's bitter. It's a bitter ending. Yeah, it kind of leaves you kind of hanging there. Big, uh, uh, you know, kind of big cliffhanger. You know, what happens to Han? Like, do they rescue him? Like, what's what's going on? And and you know, the whole movie, it's, it's like you, like you said perfectly just now. It's them just not winning. It's just them surviving. You know, and you know, yeah, there is a little bit of hope at the end because they live to fight another day. But they just got their asses kicked throughout this entire movie, you know, where, uh, like, it is really looking grim for the Rebels right now. Um, and uh, what a way to end, end the movie. I'm sure when it first came out, people were like, that's it? Like, you know, like, I don't think endings, like, for franchises like this, I don't think an ending like this was done before. Like, I could be wrong, like, very wrong. But, you know, this is probably, like, the earliest instance where a, a franchise like this ended this way, you know? Well, it's interesting because the Star Wars movies were, were were fashioned off of the old serials, which each serial, at the very end of each chapter, it would end in a cliffhanger. But those were 15-minute stories, and the next chapter was a week later. So, like, yeah. it was built into the, the, the formula that each chapter would have a cliffhanger. The difference here is is that, um, first of all, serials weren't a thing anymore. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was a mega franchise, or the beginning of a franchise, because Star Wars was one film. This is the sequel. So, like, this is where the franchise starts. It's the sequel, right? So, you you have a much anticipated sequel, uh, number two of, of of a movie that only has two movies in it, and you end it with, okay, bye. Like, you just gonna have to find out what happens next time. Now, see, yeah. Avengers. And I, I we're bringing, keep bringing it back because there are a lot of similarities to to the Infinity War, which just came out. But that movie ends on a cliffhanger. But you're all you're in a culture now in 2018 where you know there's going to be more Avengers movies. You know that they've had all these other plans. So the they Disney slash Marvel Studios can go ahead and end on a cliffhanger because they know you're going to be back. They know you're not going to really turn the audience off because you know you've trained the audience to come back to this movie. Whereas in 1980, that was a that that took some guts to do because there's only two movies in this franchise so far. Like you don't like there's no guarantee there's going to be a third one yet you know right so like the star wars while being a big thing back then it wasn't the monster it is now it was just one successful movie at that point uh it wasn't like you know and then you're ending the second movie on such a cliffhanger you're really hedging your bets that they're going to come back for a third one so that that is that is very ballsy i think ballsy yeah absolutely <laughs> But uh, but it made for a made for a great moment though at the end, you know. Again, like we said, everything looks down. This is this is act two of a, of a three act play where like everything seems like you know everything seems like grim. Everything seems like you know despair. You know how are they going to get out of this? And then the third act is when everything resolves itself. You know, but in order to get to act three, you have to get through act two, and you know it kind of just sets that up perfectly at the end. Um. So I have a couple. I have something I found online during my research, which I think is very amusing. This is from the IO9 Gizmodo page, and it's an article uh, called "How Fans Reacted to the Empire Strikes Back in 1980." Um, and this is um, this is uh, someone who went to the old magazine Starlog uh, and found like the uh, the responses from the fans that had written into Starlog uh, to the Empire Strikes Back. I'm gonna read some <laughs> of these. I think these are very amusing. Uh, this is from uh, Robert L. B.D. Scarola, and he says, Is Luke related to Vader? Most think so now that Vader came right out and said it. Well, I say, do you believe everything you hear? 
Vader may have just lied to enlist Luke to his side. Vader would then dispose of Luke once he got what he wanted. So this guy's in denial. This guy does not believe <laughs> that much. Vader yeah. is his dad. Uh, you get this one. Uh, this is from Sean Bernard. Uh, I know they wanted to leave something to settle in the other sequel, but they left a little too much. For instance, Han Solo's predicament. This movie should not have ended until Han was either killed by Boba Fett or Jabba the Hutt or rescued by Lando Carizian or Chewbacca, the former preferably. So they wanted Han to die. Interesting. <laughs> uh, also, the fate of Bespin is not told. Was it taken by Lando's, Lando's troops, taken by Imperial troops, or destroyed by Vader? I like Lando Carizian, and Billy D. Williams was very good at playing the part. Uh, and this is the other one, the last one they printed here, and it was from Carol Kane. I don't think it's the same as the actress. Uh, come on, <laughs> Leah. Why don't you have, take a look around? This is hilarious. Can't you see what Luke is up against? You could have a nice guy like him. Instead, you are turning your back on him. Forget that it was Luke that saved you from having your atoms scattered throughout the galaxy. Forget that it was Luke and not Han Solo that wanted to rescue the Death Star detention area. But you don't need to remember all that, Leia. As long as Hot Lips Han is around, who needs Luke anyway? <laughs> uh, it's just, oh, those are great, man. Yeah, that's that's uh, awesome. Uh, that was amusing. But that is uh, from Starlog. Uh, you can find that on... Um, uh, io9.gizmodo.com. Uh, I will link to that in the comments for the show. Um, but yeah, that's Empire Strikes Back. Now, like we mentioned several times, it was re-released in 1987 as a special edition. Uh, there are a couple changes it made. Out of all the special editions, um, this is the least annoying one, I would have to say. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Uh, let me see. Yeah. I think that, you know, seeing all the useless stuff they added to A New Hope, and then that Jedi rock song, which is annoying as hell, Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, probably Empire Strikes Back was probably the one that they messed with. The I mean, I don't think they didn't mess with it, but like the one where like what they messed with doesn't bother me as much, you know. Yeah. So some of the stuff they added was they added the womp the the Wampa creature. They explicitly showed which is them. Cool. Like, I and, like that. Yeah, which is a fine addition. I'm actually okay with that. They they talked about it. Um. You know, in the, in, sorry, in the first one, in the first original cut, they really, you only really just saw his head for like a second, and you saw like his arm after Luke cut it off. But in this, you actually see him in the cave, he full bodied. Um, you see him like eating some sort of creature, and then you see him kind of stalk Luke, and um, you see his reaction after he gets his arm cut off. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, the let's see what else we got here, uh, and then most of the other stuff is. The the stuff on Bespin, you just kind of when you look through the window, you see more of Cloud City um, than you did in the original one. Uh, and like in the original one, you basically just see clouds. In this one, you see more of the city. Um, and there's a little bit more like an, an, a new animated introduction as they're flying into the city. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of stuff that they changed. And then obviously they added those several lines to the to the Emperor Darth Vader scene that we talked about earlier. But that's it. This is the least annoying special edition, I think. Yeah, and then of course they replaced the uh, Clive again. Clive, whatever his name is, I'm sorry for forgetting his last name. Uh, let's uh, let's look him up. Let's give him his due. Hold on, Ian McDermott, bro. Uh, Ian McDermott is the original. Um, is the original? Sorry, the Emperor in, in Return of the Jedi, and then in the prequels, um, Clive Revel is there. Revel, the, there you go. That's um, him. Okay, hold on. Clive Revel originally portrayed the voice of the Emperor. While Marjorie Eaton portrayed the Emperor's physical form, filmed under heavy makeup, superimposed with chimpanzee eyes. Well, there you go. I think I, I remember reading about that, but I completely forgot that that was uh, that. That's how they did it. Interesting. Yeah. So there you go. 
Um, and then, uh, like you said, they did replace the uh, the voice of Boba Fett with the dude from Attack of the Clones, which I like because it keeps everything consistent with the, with the prequels. If they're supposed to matter, then you know. I, I kind of like that. I hate that because I like the original Jeremy Bullock voice. So Jeremy Bullock, bro. <laughs> and, and and yeah, yeah, you know, I get changing it to Ian McDermott later because he's in Return of the Jedi. But I just like films to just be consistent and or not to be consistent, but to be the original form, or at least give me the the option to see the original form. Right. Um, so let's talk about the leg. Uh, let's talk a little bit about its legacy in the box office. It did gross uh, five hundred thirty-eight million dollars. That's before inflation. After inflation, it is number thirteen on the all-time uh, box office records. Uh, it, the Academy Awards that year, it was nominated for best. Sa- or, sorry, one best sound mixing. Um, which I was thinking to myself actually today that it it really does have good sound mixing because. When you watch that the Hoth sequence, it really is just models and like claymation things kind of running around, and it's yeah. really those. I mean, the sound of the adats like clunking along really gives you like the impression that they're physically there. So the sound mixing is is really important. It won the Academy Award for that. It also won a special achievement Academy Award for best visual effects because that's one of the days when they didn't like. It was always a category, but some years there was there wasn't really anybody that that was good, and they would just kind of give it to whoever the best one was, and that was Empire this year. Um, John Williams was nominated for the score, didn't win, and the production design team was nominated as well, but they didn't win. Um, it was also obviously continued the 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 success of this movie, continued the franchise into Return of the Jedi and the prequels, and we all know the rest of the story there. Um, it is available pretty much on all streaming platforms for rental and uh, purchase, um, but only the special edition versions. Only the, I believe the Blu-ray versions are the ones that that you that you that uh, you can watch. It's also available on physical media on Blu-ray, um, but again, it's the altered versions. Now we talked about this on the Star Wars episode, uh, but we'll talk about it again here. There are ways to watch the original cuts. There are th- there are a couple different ways. One is the VHS that you mentioned earlier. If you have still have if you still have a VCR, you can find the VHSs on eBay pretty cheap. And, yeah, they're like uh, twelve bucks. You know, maybe even cheaper than that. So and, they're and they're pretty good that way. Yeah. Uh, all the other one is the nineteen ninety three laser discs, um, at which I have as well. Um, if you have a laser disc player, or if you don't, you can buy again. You can buy a laser disc pretty cheap on ebay um these laser disc collection is not cheap it's actually pretty expensive because a lot of fans want it's a pretty good collector's item but the laser disc players are pretty inexpensive you can get them on ebay for cheap um the 2006 or 2004 dvds that have both the special editions and the uh, unaltered uh theatrical cuts those you can get on ebay but you're going to be paying a lot of money for them because they are now considered collector's items um, you can so if you have them, hold on to them. If not, yeah. If you really want them, you 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 are gonna have to pay for them. What's funny is that um that that you brought that up. That's Empire's the only one that I own of of that series that has the original, uh, unaltered and special edition because it is my favorite Star Wars movie. So I said, you know what? I'll plunk. I'll 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 double dip, and I'll buy that because it does contain the original cut. Um, my sister's favorite Star Wars movie is Return of the Jedi, so she I actually bought her. I found that DVD copy that had the original Jedi plus the special edition at a FYE like years ago, and I gave that to her for her birthday. 
she still has not opened it. It still is original packaging. Like she didn't want to open it because it's like it's so rare now. And I and that that one is worth a huge chunk of change. So I'm I'm telling her like don't ever open that because you could probably sell it one day for like for a good amount of money. Yeah, it, 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 if you have them, hold on to them. Um, yeah, especially if they're unopened. But I I'm never gonna sell mine. Um, I I, I pretty much own uh, Star the entire trilogy on on pretty much every form of media i own it on blu-ray i own it on vhs i own it on dvd i own it on laserdisc i own it on digital so i own it in every they've gotten my they've gotten their money from me um yeah the and then finally um but yeah anyway those are packaged with the 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 original and the the original cut and the special editions the one thing we have to warn you about that though is if you do get them they are non-anamorphic so yeah uh, they don't which means basically, if you don't know the lingo, it doesn't automatically fit to your widescreen. You're going to have to mess with the settings to make it fit to your widescreen. Um, because otherwise, it's going to basically play like um, if you don't mess with your settings, what basically is going to happen is you're going to get the widescreen version as if it was in a 4x3 TV. So, in other words, not only will you get like lo- the black bars on the top and the bottom, you're also going to get black bars on the left and the right, so it's going to look like this widescreen kind of shrunk in the middle of your TV. So the so what you have to do is mess with your video settings uh, on your on your TV to make it kind of stretch out and fit. Uh, so it's not ideal, but um, yeah, you can. That is one way to, that is that is the kind of the the best uh, legal way to watch it. Now, there is a less than legal way to watch the high <laughs> definition version of the original cut and that is the despecialized edition so you can google this by yourself um and uh it basically there is a guy uh his name is escaping me right now but basically he was not satisfied with the the blu-ray editions that they released you know five six seven years ago and he decided to work from the laser disc uh prints of the uh of the original trilogy and basically clean up every frame of the film and re-release and quote unquote re-release them as the quote unquote de-specialized edition. So basically, high definition versions of the original cut without all the special edition stuff. Um, this is not technically legal, so seek these out at your own uh, discretion, risk, whatever word you want to use. Um, but it is the only way to watch the original cut in high definition. Right. You can decide if you want to take that risk or not, but I will just say the despecialized editions on Google, and we'll leave it at that. And we'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's it. That's Empire Strikes Back. So you you did mention it. This is your favorite Star Wars film. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it I would is. I would put this as my number one as well. I would put um, in the grand scheme of it, I would put this as number one. Star Wars is number two. Uh, I put Jedi at three. Uh, Force Awakens at four. No, actually, I put Force Awakens at three, and then Jedi is four, and then the and then the uh, then I would put Last Jedi, and then I would put all the prequels. I'd put the prequels in one. Th- no, I'm sorry, three, one, and two. Two is dead last. Ah, I haven't really thought about my list for a long time now. Um, I know Empire is definitely number one. A New Hope is two. Jedi is three. Um, probably Sith would be four. Um, actually, yeah, Sith would be four, then probably Force Awakens. I don't know, I have a soft spot for Revenge of the Sith, even though we kind of tore it to shreds when we did Force Perspective a few years ago. But I, I have a soft spot for that film. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really explain why, I just do. It's just one of those things. Um, so I would put it even above Force Awakens. Um, so then it'd be for, uh, Sith, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, 
Um, Phantom Menace and then Attack of the Clones. Yes, Phantom Menace above Attack of the Clones for me. So, yeah, that's how I have it too. I think the only difference in ours is that you put for you put um, Force Awakens below Sith and Jedi, where I put Force Awakens before Jedi and Sith. Ah, got it. So that's really kind of like if that. Just it's basically Force Awakens is the only one that's different for us. Yeah. Um, although no, because I put Last Jedi ahead of Run to the Sith as well. Because uh, I really just dislike the prequels that much, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that 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 is our review of the Empire Strikes Back. We hope you enjoyed it. Now it's time to bust out the random movie generator to def- decide what our next movie will be. All right. So let's, I love this part. Let's bust it out here. Our next movie is not necessarily the opposite, but quite a different uh, quite a different direction as far as what you know. Last time we did Superman. This time we did Empire Strikes Back. So we're leaving. The world of sci-fi fantasy. We're going back to the classic era of Hollywood. Okay. We're going to do our first silent film. It's going to be our first uh, Charlie Chaplin film. Yes. And it is uh, City Lights from 1931. All right. That's awesome. I have the Criterion uh, Blu-ray for that, so I'll, I'm glad. I'll be very happy to pop that back in and revisit it. I That's also gonna have be the awesome. Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, it is a beautiful Blu-ray for those uh, who collect uh, still collect physical media. Uh, I we both think, think highly recommend the Criterion edition of this film. So if you want to watch it before we dive into it, which I always suggest people watch that watch the movies before we talk about them. Um, uh, and, and and real quick, uh, you know, just fun fact before we even get into it in, in in that episode. But this is the first Chaplin movie I ever saw, so you know that's why I have, I have a very soft spot for it. I can't remember if it was this or the Gold Rush. I think it may have been the Gold Rush for me, and I think this is my second. I just happened to see it, uh, it was TCM. I, I I can't remember what I was doing, but I was just scrolling th- through TV, and I saw TCM, like this how City Lights was going to start. I was like, oh, I've heard a lot about this. I'll watch it. And it's the first Chaplin movie I ever saw. Uh, and then that's when I started watching the other ones after that. Yeah, this, is, this is absolutely my favorite Chaplin movie, and it's uh, probably in my top 20, maybe even top 10 of all time. Well, see, right now, well, it's weird with me because it's like a three-way tie with it with Chaplin. It's between this one, Modern Times, and Great Dictator. That's like a three-way. Those tie are all really good. Right? Yeah, yeah, those are all really good. But anyway, City Lights. That is our next movie. Uh, so if uh, we would suggest watching the Criterion version, uh, either buying it or getting it at like your library or something, because it is a very, really, really nice uh, edition. Yes. Um, so before we go, a uh, couple plugs. EssentialFilmsPodcast.com dot com is the website. EssentialFilmsPodcast at gmail.com is the email. Uh, like us on Facebook, please, at The Essential Films, and follow at Essential Films on Twitter, also at Adolfo underscore Acosta. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please listen to us, uh, our other show, Force Perspective, uh, which you can find at FB Movie Podcast on Twitter. Mark, can you uh, go ahead and take the plugs for that? Yeah, sure. So, like you just said, at FP Movie Podcast, follow Force Perspective on Twitter. Um, we are posting. Uh, we posted the the latest uh, Force Perspective episode one hundred and ten, where we do the spoiler review of Avengers: Infinity War. That's up on uh, on YouTube right now on uh, on Adolfo's channel. So definitely subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel, Adolfo J Acosta, and uh, check out uh, the latest Force Perspective episodes on there as well. Um, uh, for the UWWE fans, you know, I do the uh, Planet Jobbers wrestling podcast with uh, my boy Denon. 
uh, this past week we did uh, we reviewed the greatest or as I call it the shittiest Royal Rumble ever. Um, we will be previewing Backlash this week as I will be attending Backlash. It's in the Prudential Center here in Newark, New Jersey this weekend, so I will be uh, attending that. We'll be previewing that pay-per-view on its upcoming episode this weekend. So a uh, lot to look forward to. And uh, you can follow me also on Twitter at SportsGuy515. It's been on fire lately with different things, whether it's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer controversies or Sasha Banks liking what I have to tweet about her. So it, 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 a lot of cool things are happening there right now. And if you so want to know more about the uh... – Michelle Pfeiffer Scarface controversy that you're referencing here. Check out Force Perspective 109. Yes, we uh, we go into huge detail as to why my Twitter blew up that weekend at the Tribeca Film Festival when I attended the Scarface screening. And I'll just I'll let that story speak for itself. But yeah, but a lot of content out there, so definitely check it all out. And thank you very much for uh, for checking us out. All right, so that about do it for us this week. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, remember. Try not. Do or do not. There is no try. See you next time.